rush forward, does come out quickly, and it's complete to the tight end, Brevin Jordan. And he's got space, and a crease, and a first down across the 45 to make that play. And he tells it, takes off on the fake. Can he get there? Yes! Tony gets a block, and he's a blazer. A dynamic guy. They'll use him in all different roles. He's still going. Kadarius Tony, and will catch him. Touchdown, Gators. Thank you for joining Feel the Heat, Episode 3. If you're joining us, you just listened to the recap of Saturday's highlights from Miami versus Florida, where Florida got the W, 24-10. I'm your host, Day, along with my co-host, Webb. What's up, y'all? How's everybody? So, as promised, we have answers for you. Um, Kyle gets the bragging rights this week as he picked the Gators over Miami. And we got some fresh tips for you and some breaking news. So we're going to start off with the NCAA recap of Miami versus Florida. Go ahead, Kyle. I mean, to be honest, I think I called this game. I mean, I said this game was going to fall on the pass rush due to the due to Miami being weak up front. But Florida also, so I wanted to see whose pass rush would have the most impact. And obviously it was Florida. And honestly, Jaron Williams just looked like a deer in the headlights. I mean, come on. Ten sacks, Miami. I mean, Florida went for it two or three times on fourth down, and they got it. And they, and they got and they moved the chains. And then Marco Wilson got two back-to-back pass interference flags, one in the red zone, and I believe one in the end zone, too. Um, I think the one in the end zone got picked up, but he got he, – I think he yeah, had three the one the- actually – Yes, the one in the end zone did get picked up. But I got to say, overall, it was it was, it was was a very poorly played game. On both sides of the ball. Yes, absolutely. On both sides of the ball. But like I said, Felipe Franks, he's no, he's no star, but he's no scrub either. He threw two picks, and the first one really wasn't his fault. The first one, the receiver... He, he had it in his hands. It went through his hands, and it was a pick. That wasn't his fault. And just like I, like I said, Miami, uh, Florida's receiver, receiver court is loaded. I mean, Josh Hammond, four receptions for 93 yards. I wish they would have got him more involved. Kadarius Toney, he had, he had a, a long 66-yard touchdown. And Miami just looked like they couldn't tackle. I mean, they were trying to arm tackle, and they couldn't They couldn't bring them down. Well, Michael P. Ryan, 10 carries for 42 yards. I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay with Florida's performance. It wasn't pretty, but we got the job done. So, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Florida, they, they didn't play well. To me, they didn't look like a number eight team in the country. Um, either that or Miami is better than we expected. And I would like to give the credit to Florida and say that, you know, they just played well, but they didn't look like the number 18. Offense did start off great. Um, second half, it kind of got shaky. They went away from their game plan a little bit. I feel like they should have kept running the ball because Miami proved they couldn't stop as Miami had or 
the Gators had over 100 yards rushing. But then at the same time, I can't really blame the defense a lot on Miami's loss. A lot of it comes from the offensive line, um, not not being able to protect the quarterback. To let your quarterback get sacked 10 times is a little bit ridiculous. But at the same time, Jaron Williams is young. He has to learn how to get rid of the ball and get rid of it early. Like, don't try to keep looking to extend the play coming down on you. And I think as the season goes on, he will pick that up. I think he looked great. He had 158 yards passing in the first half and a passing touchdown. DJ Dallas, the running back for Miami, he he looked phenomenal. He was completely in beast mode. Florida was unable to stop him when he ran the Wildcat. It was unable to stop him when he ran the screen plays. He's fast. He's tough. He's strong. Uh, Brevin Jordan, the tight end for Miami, played great. They should have got him more involved. He had five uh, catches for 88 yards, and if they would have got him more involved, he could have broke over 100 yards. I expect the offense to be pretty much around uh, Brevin Jordan, DJ Dallas, and and, uh, KJ Osborne as the season goes on. I think that Miami will be um, a, a great competitor this year in the ACC. But um, as for as for the Gators, if they don't ship up, they're, they're uh, and just like you said, that there's nobody right now in Alabama besides Georgia, and Florida proved that as they struggled against Miami's uh, offense and defense late in that game. Also, the um, undisciplined penalties, as you had said, they really cost um, could have cost Florida the game. I mean, also, C.J. Henderson, I also pointed him him out on the last episode, made a huge play in the end zone, batting the ball down, because that would have been that would have been an L for Florida had C.J. Henderson not made a great defensive play in the end zone. Right. That would have been, yeah, you're right. And it would also have been the, the sixth reception for Brevin Jordan and uh, his second touchdown of the night. And he would have broke 100 yards. So that was a really good play. Um, Florida's DBs did play well in the game until late in the game. And obviously their line and linebackers played great. But you could see in the second half as they adjusted some of their defense, they were unable to, to tackle. It seemed like both teams were unable to tackle. And I guess that's what happens in week zero. And now they both have a bye week. And they'll be back in two weeks. I mean, honestly, I'm, I agree with what you said about Jaron Williams. I mean, his time management was a little shaky and he held the ball too long, but I feel like that just comes with reps as he has more real game time game time experience. I think he'll be all right. I think he'll pan out to be a pretty good talent. Absolutely, I agree. So moving forward, week one, this is officially week one. Last week was week zero for the NCAA. I want to give a quick shout out to my brother, Trevon Rodriguez out at South Dakota who will be suiting up this weekend to play against Montana. He is their running back there. So we hope that they bring home the W uh, for his sake. And he has a great season and a healthy season. I agree. Um, we have, go ahead. I was just saying, I agree. And I hope he has a very successful season and I'm looking forward to reporting on it. Absolutely. And we, we will cover that some of that game next week. Uh, actually. Yep. Next week after the game is over. So we have number 11, Oregon versus uh, 16 Arbor. And who is your pick, Kyle? My pick is Auburn. I'm picking Auburn. And my biggest concern going into this game, obviously Auburn loses a guy to the Patriots like Jared Stidham. 
but they have a lot of upside in a guy, uh, Bo Nix. Yeah, his name is Bo Nix. He's a good, accurate passer. Their only losses last year were to LSU, Alabama, Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Georgia. I mean, for the most part, that's cream of the crop. Uh, right. When you look at both quarterbacks, you have two guys with a lot of upside, but a huge difference in reps. Huge difference. Uh, oh, the other guy being Justin Herbert, quarterback for Oregon, who is he's excellent. Excellent. Uh, projected first round talent, early first round talent. But the thing is, if he's not making, com- if Justin Herbert isn't making a comfortable throw from the pocket, his accuracy becomes a little shaky. Like, he's an accurate passer, but when he has to, like, move around, when he's not set, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's not really an improviser. Yeah, and that's where Auburn's strength is in their defense. Their D-line is, I mean, it's honestly phenomenal. In my opinion, I'd put it top five nationally. But I'm going with Auburn. I'm actually not sure um, who to go with, Auburn or Oregon. Uh, but I like Oregon for the simple fact that, um, as you stated, they have an excellent quarterback, uh, Justin Herbert. He's thrown over 3,000 yards last season, and he's thrown a touchdown in every game. I think he will get about four uh, passing touchdowns this game. See, you would, but I'm not sure. See, you would think that. But the, the problem with Oregon is they've had, like, four injured receivers, guys in and out of camp with injuries. They got, like, two healthy receivers. And they have the grad transfer, Jawan Johnson from Penn State. Yes, who, yes they do. He, he didn't have a really good season, but he's a big target, and he has great hands. I mean, I think he's, like, six foot six, 240. He could play tight end, but he plays receiver because he has the speed of one. Um, I don't think he's a big vertical threat, but as far as the crossing routes, he's going to be a threat there for, for Auburn. And it's going to be a close game, I think. It'll be a better game definitely than the Florida-Miami game. I'm just not really sold on either team to pick. I mean, I'm picking Oregon, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if Auburn won because they're freakishly talented. And they're fast. They play in the SEC. The SEC ball is different than any other type of ball in the nation. Right. And honestly, uh, if Auburn gives Justin Herbert time in the pocket, that's when he becomes dangerous. So I feel like if they pressure him, get him moving around, get him out of the pocket, get him to get the ball out quick, I think Auburn will take this one. It's a very good chance. I know Auburn is the underdog. I know a lot of people have Oregon just completely dismantling Auburn, but being that they're in the SEC, being that they have a really good, a good defense, a great defensive line, something that they're known for in, in and out every year, I just can't see them being beat up too bad. Um, I think it'll be a close game. Continue. All eyes are on Houston versus Oklahoma this Sunday at 7.30. It's the return of Jalen Hurts versus Heisman Dark Horse, De'Eric King. 
obviously I got Oklahoma, but I think Derek King, Derek King, excuse me, uh, will have a pretty solid game. I'm sleeping on this game, and I'm obviously going with Oklahoma. Like you said, Derek King, I'm expecting him to use his legs, honestly. I mean, 2018, he had 111 attempts for 674 yards. He rushed for 674 yards and 14 touchdowns. Honestly, uh, Houston's coach Dana Holgerson from West Virginia has never beaten Lincoln Riley. He's 0-7 at West Virginia. And, I, and what's funny is he's the highest paid non-Power 5 conference coach in college football at five years, 20 million. And Houston has been, Houston is ranked past 125 for passing and rushing yards allowed. And they're giving up 500 yards of offense a game. I'm, I'm not worried about Houston at all for this. No, I don't think they're a threat. I think that being that Jalen Hurts is back on the field, all eyes are on this game. For that simple fact, also just because De'Ara King has been named a Heisman Dark Horse because of his passing ability and his rushing ability, as you have stated, and just the way that they handle their own conference. And I think that uh, Houston gets a good chance to compete, but obviously Oklahoma will come up as the winners. Right. I think it's going to be bad. I think it's going to be bad. It may be a really bad show. I mean, De'Eric King may get off, but it still may be a really bad show. It's the final season, or final week, excuse me, of the preseason for the NFL. But we do have breaking news, as you guys have heard over the weekend. Andrew Luck retires suddenly. And I was surprised, as everyone was, no one's seen this really coming. If anyone said they've seen it coming... I pretty much would guess they were a liar because there would never have been a report. There hasn't been any reports about Andrew Luck considering retirement. Yes, he's been injured. He hasn't been able to play full seasons. He's missed the season. Um, but I, re- I remember my fantasy um, app, it crashed. My fantasy app crashed once the news broke, and I assume it's from everyone signing in to read the story. But being that he's retiring for his own personal health, I can respect him. I can respect that. He wants to spend time with his wife. Uh, He doesn't want to lose the best parts of his years to football. And I just think that you have to respect him as a person, as a human being, as a man, that he has chosen his own health and his family over football when a lot of people choose the money over their family. And that's just not something that he was willing to use. So when he was healthy, he was a really good quarterback. I mean, he had a great career at Stanford. And, um... He, he had a, a okay career with the Colts, but he was a really good quarterback. And um, as far as the Colts go, it's really the next man up. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded for a veteran quarterback. But we will see as the season goes on how this plays out for the Colts. I mean, honestly, you said if anybody would have seen this coming, they're lying. You're right. I didn't see this coming, but honestly, I'm not shocked. I mean... Andrew Lux played seven years with the Colts. He missed nine games in 2015 and all of the 2017 season. He comes back, makes the playoffs. Listen, they get they get a whole line. They get Darius Leonard. Things look bright, you know? And then, but it's too late. It's too late. 
Like in 2012, his rookie season, he got sacked 41 times for crying out loud. He's been sacked 140, uh, 174 times his whole career. But at the same time, people are saying, why retire now? You could have did it months ago. I mean, he's been hurt for three years. It had to be on his mind. I mean, you, you obviously said nobody's seen it coming, but he had to be thinking about it. I mean... Yeah, he made me... Maybe he was thinking about it, but I don't think anybody in his organization really ever thought that he was seriously thinking about it. I think, uh, as you stated, he could have said a couple months ago that he wanted to retire, but maybe he thought that he could fight through the injuries, and the closer he got to the season, you know, he knew that he wasn't going to be ready to go, and he, he didn't want to take the risk of further injuring himself. I mean, I've never played football in pads and and had people hit me, like you said, been sacked 41 times in his rookie season. I'm only A man can only take so much. I mean, I'm glad he got out because the last thing I want to see is him looking like Peyton Manning in his last years at the Colts before he got traded to Denver, when every time uh, a pass rusher would break in into in the to the backfield, he's flinching because he's tired of getting sacked. And, and then he had the neck surgery would kept him out for a season or kept him out for um, – um, some some time, and he had to have a neck surgery done com- to to help him rehab. But I'm glad that he got out of there before something like that happened to him. Because at the end of the day, it's just a game, and we're just fans that's being entertained. Right. Um. Real real quick, I want to give you a stat line. I just want to say this last thing. Okay. Check this out. Chris Ballard, with this offensive line that Chris Ballard was able to put together in 2018, Andrew Luck threw 39 touchdowns and threw for 4,500 yards. His QBR was a 98%. I mean, he threw 15 interceptions. But after all of that, you're throwing for 4,500 yards and 39 touchdowns, and then you retire. I think he's really going to come back. I think he'll just take a break. Because with these stats, I think he'll take a break and come back. Yeah, that's why I said that he was a, a really good quarterback for the Colts. I mean, they didn't win any championships or they didn't um, win the, the AFC or anything like that. But he was a really good quarterback for the Colts. He's highly intelligent. He he. He has a very high cue for the game. It's just unfortunate that he left. And we may see him back later. We may or we may not. Moving forward, um, also breaking news, Lamar Miller tore his ACL in a preseason game. And for me, it's just next man up. There's no pausing that Houston can do, being that this happened so close to the start of the season. Luckily for them, they had recently traded for Duke Johnson. And they may even make another trade and bring in Melvin Gordon as well. But being that they have uh, Duke Johnson at a reasonable price, I think for the next three years for $15 million, I can't see them trading for Melvin Gordon because they're saving so much money where they can go add another piece instead of loading up at the running back position. They do have some rookies that can back up Duke. But to be proven in the league, uh, Duke, averages five yards per touch and he so basically he keeps the chains moving when he touches the ball and I think he will be effective out of the backfield and also add versatility in the passing game 
for the Houston Texans as well. It's an unfortunate injury that happened to Lamar Miller. It just seems like the Texans can't catch a break um, with um, Kiki um, QT hurt as well this um, early in the preseason. And we all remember when um, Watson went down with an ACL injury. So it just seems that Texas, the Texans just can't catch a break. But hopefully Duke becomes uh, the type of rusher, the player that they need on their team. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to make a trade for another running back sometime during this season. I disagree. I, I don't think Duke Johnson will like, well, I feel I got that next man up kind of feeling, but the answer is not Duke Johnson. I mean, sure. He averaged five yards with carry, but he only had 40 attempts. I mean, the Texas, the Texans offensive line was honestly, begin, was honestly sorry from the beginning. I mean, Lamar Miller wasn't even a thousand yard rusher. I mean, I expect the Texans to lean more so on the passing now with Watson coming off coming off an ACL tear, but still a credible deep threat. And obviously they got DeAndre Hopkins. I think if Deshaun Watson can stay healthy and avoid getting sacked so much, I think they'll be all right. But they got to work on that offensive line. They definitely have to do that. And back to your point where Duke Johnson only had 40 carries you know I think Cleveland was running two or three backs so I think the workload because there's not any veterans coming behind Duke Johnson right now the majority of the workload for the Texans as far as running back will come through Duke Johnson so those 40 touches will turn into something different at Houston and maybe um we see a, a spike in his yards that he totals. I mean, he is the leading rusher um, at Miami for a reason. So he he obviously has the legs. He's still young. He's only 25 years old. And I don't see him sharing too much of the backfield with the rookies. I think unless they make a trade, he becomes a three-down back for the Houston Texans. I mean, I just don't see how you can say that off 40, 40 attempts, just 40 carries. And like I said, the Texans' offensive line, it's, it's sorry. It really is. So I don't see him. Well, if they want a chance of making a playoff push and possibly a championship and they, they have no choice but to take what they have and make the best out of it, I think that Duke does give them versatility in the, the passing game and the, the running game. But only time will tell. If he's not being productive in the first couple of games – I can see them making a trade for somebody um, like Melvin Gordon, who's likely not to suit up for the Chargers until he gets the contract he wants. Right. Let's move forward to AB's. um, He loses his grievance for his helmet with arbitration for the second time. And my thoughts is this. I'm going to keep it very simple because I'm tired of talking about this whole drama with AB. Is that um, he just needs to give it up. Either you're going to play or you're not going to play. Obviously, they feel that the helmet that they have designed for you this season is more safe than the helmet that you want to wear. And they're not going to take a chance. The NFL is not going to take a chance on being sued by you later for you saying that they allowed me to wear this helmet and this other helmet was better. So 
I, I mean, they could have him sign off on it and saying he takes full responsibility if he gets injured or, you know, has a case of CTE or concussions. But at this time, they're not going to do that. I mean, they're a multi-billion dollar industry and they're not going to take the responsibility for someone who wants to have their own thing going on. They don't want to be hit with a negligence suit and he just needs to move on. Either he's going to play or he's not. Right. And even even Mike Mayock came out and made a statement. I mean, he said either he's with us or he's not. Like, come on. Antonio Brown, I mean, he he said in an interview one time, he said, they're going to play by my rules or I'm not going to play at all. I mean, come on. Either you want to play football or you don't. Like, I agree with you, but I don't think the NFL should. I, I feel like they're right. I don't think they should budge at all on this issue because if they budge on this issue with Antonio Brown, who who's to say somebody else isn't going to go ask for something outrageous or whatever? Exactly. At the end of the day, they're going to protect themselves as a company, as an industry, and they're going to protect the team, the franchise owners as well from anything from anything negligent going on and I think that Antonio Brown needs to take that into consideration right he needs to come to terms either you're all in or you're not but the team needs to know now so they can move forward and you know change up their their roster as they need to you know that's crazy because they gave they revamped his contract they gave him 30 guaranteed million dollars and all this over a helmet. Over a helmet that the, the NFL says is not in standard to keep you protected. If someone who has doctors, if a company that has doctors, they work for them, and surgeons, and people that can help you stay protected, if they have designed a helmet that can possibly help prevent CTE, reduce the amount of concussions that they see in the league. You should be grateful for that type of research and not go back to a helmet from, well, I don't know, what was it, 2015 he wanted to wear? We're, we're four years past that. Technology changes all the time, how work is done, how things are protected. Take what you got and move forward. Right. This is becoming the AB drama show, and like I said, I'm just sick of it. Alex from Las Vegas has a question. He says, should the NFL cut down the preseason games? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think the pre. I think everybody knows what they signed up for. Injuries is a part of football. And the preseason is an important time to really see your personnel and see what everybody can do if you have to make adjustments later. So, no, I think the preseason's fine. I think it's just a part of the game. It's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate for everyone that gets injured in the preseason, and I feel bad, but that's what they signed up for, and they get paid handsomely to do it. I think that they should maybe reduce it down to two games and extend the regular season by two games. No, I wouldn't extend the regular season. If I'm going to shorten the preseason, I wouldn't extend the regular season at all. Because you still have time to work out your, you know, your kinks and, and see your personnel. I get the whole 
four uh, four se- uh, four um, play or four preseason games, excuse me, gives you a chance to see the guys that you drafted, the guys you need to cut, the guys that are going to practice squad, uh, the guys that are going to start. It gives you a chance to order your your depth chart. But it, it, like you said, the injuries are part of the game. Whether you play in preseason or regular season, you're going to get injured. It's unfortunate that people get injured in preseason games. And I think that maybe the starters, the ones who you know are going to be your starters, they should get only a few reps in. And in those few reps, they can get injured. But after, you know, they played a couple of series of downs, let the rookies and the guys who are fighting for a roster spot, let them handle the game from there on. When we get later into the preseason, you see where teams allow their starters to play the first and second quarter, or the first, you know, the first half. I don't really think that's necessary. And I think you could prevent a lot of injuries because some of these guys are older. Some of these guys um, do have wear and tear on their body. Right. So to your point, if you're not going to cut the games, if you if you disagree with that question, that's something that can be looked into. But if you wanted to, I think, cut down the preseason but still have the chance. Let's say I'm going to cut it down to two games preseason. I'm going to add two seasons in the game. And the first two seasons of the game, you can keep your, your larger roster before you have to cut it down. I think it's what, to, to 53, 52-man roster. Um, before you have to cut it down, I still get a chance to see how my rookies and my, my draft picks adjust to playing time, like real season, regular season things. I think it could be done that way. Um, but it's part of the game. I mean, injuries are going to happen. It's a physical contact game. Uh, and it's just unfortunate that's part of the game. And that's just any sport. I mean, a guy could be running the base and running the bases in baseball and make a wrong cut as he's he's hitting second or he's turning on third and he could tear his ACL. He could run into a fence and, and break a bone. Uh, basketball, they can do a wrong jump and, you know, tear their ACL. It's part of the game. It's part of sports. And it's just the unfortunate part. Moving forward to the NBA, uh, we have a question. JT from Romeo, his question is, wouldn't Chris Paul be a good guard at L.A.? And I'm assuming he's talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. No. And I think he could, but we will never know for this simple fact. The Lakers do not have any cap room to trade for CP3. At the contract he has and the age he is, there's no way the Lakers are paying Chris Paul $40 million a year to come play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. First of all, they don't have the cap room. It's too much of a risk a risk of trade for them as he's never healthy. He can't finish a season. I'm not saying he's not a good point guard. I'm just saying he doesn't fit with LA for that reason. They don't you can't even put the you can't even put him in that roster because there's no room for his contract. They don't they don't need a they don't need a um a Chris Paul. They need they need a Rondo, you know. But and from my understanding, they're letting LeBron run point guard, so they don't need Chris Paul. Yeah. LeBron can play any position that he wants in the NBA. And with LeBron at point guard, the team is gonna run. They're gonna be quick. They're gonna be fast. They're gonna be athletic. 
I mean, you're thinking that their potential starting five could be LeBron at point guard, um, Danny Green at the two, Kyle Kuzma at the three, Anthony Davis at four, and either JaVale or Dwight starting at the five. And I don't think that if you ask any GM right now and they say, hey, dude, who do you want to run your point guard, LeBron or Chris Paul? Who do you think most are going to say? LeBron James. LeBron James, he automatically makes you a contender once he's on your roster. I mean, he's he's you've seen him, what he's done with Cleveland uh, in 2007 with the roster he had. He took them to the finals. Yeah, they got swept by the Spurs, but he was only in his uh, fourth year. And he took a team who really was not uh, a team full of all-stars or a team full of uh, really great players. He took them to the championship. Uh, and then you look at the roster he had with Cleveland. Like, yes, he had Kyrie. Yes, he had Kevin Love. But Kevin Love wasn't always healthy. Neither was Kyrie. And he did the bulk of the work. So to answer your question, JT, I don't think Chris Paul is the fit in L.A., unless he was willing to give up some of that contract and willing to come off the bench. And honestly, even if you wanted to save the Clippers, you've seen how that worked out. It didn't work. I think they had one of the best teams to never do anything. I really do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Chris Paul led that team. I think the best time for CP3 to be a Laker was when the Lakers tried to make a trade for him. I believe in 2011. Which was denied. And um, Which was denied. Other than that, he will never be a Laker. If he becomes a Laker this year, I'll be surprised. They don't have the cap money to do it. I mean, he would have to give up a lot of his, his money in order to be a free agent. And I don't think that Oklahoma City Thunder are going to buy him out for $40 million this year. At his age, at the risk that he, at the at the rate that he's injured, he's not worth buying out $40 million outright right now. And while we're on subject talking about the Lakers and LeBron James, this is something that Cal brought up that we were going to talk about today. Scottie Pippen says LeBron can't carry a team anymore. That's completely preposterous. Scottie Pippen. I think he's a hater. Scott, Scott, what'd you say? I think he's just a hater. I mean, Scottie Pippen even went on the record to say he's not going to be a tough matchup in his 17th season. I think, I think LeBron is just somebody that people tell people say he should just take the ball, run down the court and dunk on everybody, but chooses to do something different. He chooses to play his game, which is to facilitate and get his teammates involved. But at the same time, I like to. I wonder, like, why do people, like, why poke the bear? Like, for example, back to the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 7. Jason Tatum dunks on LeBron, bumps him, looks at him. What does LeBron do? LeBron hits back-to-back threes in Jason Tatum's face to seal Game 7. Game 4, Finals, 2016. Warriors take a 3-1 lead. Klay Thompson says, I guess he just got his feelings hurt. LeBron hears about it in the post-game interview, laughs, laughs it off, says he's going to take the high road, and combines with Kyrie for 81 points the next game to be the first pair to ever do that in finals history. Game five, LeBron, you wanted LeBron to shoot. 
Game five, he went 16 for 30 at 41 points, eight rebounds, 11 assists, four steals, three blocks. And eventually they went on to come back from a 3-1 deficit to beat the 73-win Warriors. That's crazy. That's crazy. I don't know why people continue to poke the bear with LeBron. You know, I'm I'm honest, I have never... um, been a huge LeBron James fan until recently and I that was when he went back to Cleveland the second time because even as he's gotten older his game has not slowed down he's continued to evolve he's continued to see how he can become better the better athlete I mean he wasn't always a good three-point shooter or a threat from three now he shoots the three and it looks like it's with ease for him his his hot his IQ has always been very high and just going back to what you're saying poking the bear I don't know if you remember I think it was a uh, the year he was with the Heat, um, and I want to say it was his first year in 2010, the 2010-2011 season, and um, Jason Terry said something crazy like, who was LeBron James? Never heard of him. In that next game, I mean, LeBron went off, and you've seen a dunk where he pretty much ended uh, Jason Terry's career. He could have just left the court and never came back after that. So people have never learned to stop poking the bear with LeBron. I think that, you know, Scotty's just a hater. He had some crazy takes before about LeBron. Like he said that um, LeBron doesn't have the clutch gene. I mean, we've seen LeBron hit clutch shots. We've seen the block against the 73-9 and Warriors team. If that's not clutch, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you can put LeBron on any team in the NBA with any roster, and he makes him the playoff. He makes him a playoff team and possible contender. Even now in his career, he doesn't seem to slow down. Like, I think LeBron will slow down when he wants to. He Listen. still looks fresh. He still looks healthy. He still looks freakishly athletic. Athletic, And to be honest, if we want to be real, Scotty was carried by Jordan for the bulk of his career. Right. But he did hold his own um, in the 93-94 season when, when Jordan was out. They won 55 games, the Bulls did, with Scotty Pippen. Right. But they didn't win a championship, which means – you was carried by Jordan because when Jordan came back, you guys won the championship. Um, but LeBron is different. I mean, he's carried all types of athletes and all types of um, competitors on his shoulders and taking them to places that they have they have may they may have never went if it wasn't for him. And that's the truth. I mean, give the man his credit while he's here. He's going to continue to be dominant. And while we're talking about this, um, I don't know if I told you or not, but this question did come in from Harold, from Romeo. He says, can LeBron be a better Laker than Kobe or Magic? And I'm like, I don't know, because his career, when people think about the best LeBron James, they're going to think about him in Miami and Cleveland. They're not going to think about him with the Lakers, unless he goes on to win a championship this year. And it finishes his career as a Laker. Let's say he goes on to play another five, six years and he wins six championships with the Lakers back to back. Then you could talk about that. But right now, right now, I don't I can't put him past Kobe as an overall Laker. You you can't put him past uh Magic Johnson. And you definitely have to think you can't put him past Shaq or, or Kareem. So he has a lot of work to do. He will go down as one of the greatest players to ever play the game, if not the greatest. But right now to say, is is he going to be a better Laker than Kobe or Magic? It's a far-fetched question. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So if I said, okay, so you're saying 
he's not be- like they'll think of LeBron as like Cleveland LeBron, but not in like the LA LeBron. I'm think I'm what I'm saying is when you think about LeBron James, people are gonna say later in his career he went on to the Lakers. But let's say hypothetically he doesn't win a championship with the Lakers ever. Let's say he wins one with the Lakers. When you talk about LeBron James, people are gonna talk about the young LeBron James, how he couldn't beat the Celtics, and then the LeBron James that joined the Heat and went to what, eight straight finals? That's what people are going to really remember him for. Oh, by the way, he played for the Lakers late in his career. He never got to win a championship or he only won one. But if he goes to win four, five, six championships back to back with the Lakers, that narrative changes again. It's like this guy, everybody thought his career, when he was at the back end of his career, he goes on and he and he plays six more seasons for the Lakers and wins championships. It changes the narrative. But when I think of LeBron James, especially right now, he only has one year in with the Lakers. I think about his years with the Heat and Dwayne Wade and then back in Cleveland with Kyrie and Kevin Love and beating a 73-9 and team. That's just me. I, honestly, I agree with you. I mean, unless he wins a championship, I mean, Kobe's got you there. I mean, unless you said something different, like, I mean, who's better or something? I mean, obviously, we know who's, who's winning there, but we can move on. What are your thoughts on Dwight Howard joining the Lakers? I like I like that move. I like I like Dwight Howard. I want to give Dwight Howard a second chance. I want, I want to see what he can do. But at the same time, do they really have a better option? I mean, the Lakers are throwing around terms like unguaranteed dollars and they warned Dwight Howard. I mean, do you really have a better option? Your next best is what, Joakim Noah? And he's, he's sorry. You see, the, the Grizzlies didn't keep... Joakim exactly not the Joakim Noah that he was with the Bulls, so yeah, you have a point. So, I think it's a good. I think, I think it's a good move. I like it anyway. I like Dwight Howard. Listen, I think Dwight Howard can be a good fit if he's serious. If he's going to be a contribute a contributor, I think he has a chance to average a double double, something like ten and twelve. And it's a good move for the Lakers overall, because like you said, there's really not that many options at center for them where they can get a center for a low price because the centers is out there right now, they're going to want to be paid. Um, This is his second thing with the Lakers, and I think that he has a chance to prove to himself that, hey, when I came here, I was young, I was immature, you know, but now I'm back. It's it's eight years later, and I want to, you know, make a a playoff push and possibly a championship push with the Lakers. The thing about the Lakers is it's a really smart move for them is that there's really nothing guaranteed except for – about four hundred and eighty thousand dollars. So he's gonna make. He's on a summer um, summer team cha- or, or summer team contract where he's making about fourteen thousand a day, and usually training camp lasts about thirty days. So you do, if you do the math, it's about four hundred eighty thousand if he lasts throughout um, training camp. Obviously, the Lakers have warned him, you know, about his immaturity and about the way he contributes and his seriousness about the game because there's reports and. There's, there's things out there about Dwight Howard that 
people in the league know that we don't. And if he doesn't come ready to play, we'll give you this fourteen thousand dollars a day if you last a week. You know, it's a what two hundred, hundred and some thousand dollars, whatever. If you last a week, if you last two weeks, great. We want you to last the whole season. We want to move on and give you a contract that you deserve. But we're just not going to sit here and allow you to corrupt the team, bring bad energy in the locker room because we're trying to build a championship here. I mean, everything to me indicates that he looks like he's he's turning around. He's trying to get better. He wants to be serious. I mean, you, you heard the reports. He lost 20 pounds. I mean, it looks to me like he's ready to turn this thing around. Hope so. Um, NBA rumor, DeMar DeRozan to the Pistons. Yes or no? Yes, but it won't happen. Because the Pistons have no assets, and I don't think they're willing to really give up Drummond or Blake Griffin. Because that's really their nucleus. If I was the Pistons, I would consider giving up Drummond if I can get DeRozan. You would? That's just... I would. Oh, I would too. I would get... I would have I would have traded Drummond three years ago to be honest with you. If I could get DeMar DeRozan and I had to give up Drummond, I would say, look, you can have Drummond and you can have Reggie. Send me DeRozan and give me Patty Mills. And you can have you can have Reggie and DeRo- uh, uh and Drummond. I would rather have Patty Mills than Reggie Jackson. Yeah, I'd rather have Patty Mills too. And on top of that, DeMar DeRozan, Patty Mills, and DeRose, they'll all complement each other. With Blake Griffin Absolutely. and Thon Maker, I think Thon Maker's. I think Thon Maker really ascended a little bit more when he when he came to the Pistons. He had a really limited role on the Bucks, and I think the Pistons gave him more minutes. And I think he's he's shown he's shown he's got some skill. He's got some game. Absolutely, I think that the Pistons know they have to make some type of move in order to be a real competitor in the East. They're not really a real competitor in the East right now. And their problem is they overpaid Drummond way too early. They got Reggie Jackson there out of Oklahoma City and paid him way too much money. Reggie should have been gone. Drummond should have been gone. We shouldn't have drafted Luke Kennard to begin with. And they they could have drafted Donovan Mitchell. They could have drafted Donovan Mitchell, but they passed up on him. So the Pistons seem to always pass up on really good players and pick pieces who don't last more than one or two years in their organization. So they have to do something this year in order to compete in the East. I mean, the East is is not is the weaker conference of the two, obviously. Not this year. Not and this year. They're not tougher than the West. They're tough. The West is tough. They're by no means weak, like the narrative that people put off. The East probably has maybe three or four solid teams that are going into the playoffs. The the West probably one through like ten could easily be a solid competitor in the playoffs. I mean, but in the East, who, who do you have? You have uh, the Bucks. Kevin Durant. You have Kevin Durant went to the East. Kevin Durant's out this season. He's not coming back. I know, but I'm saying he's still in the East. We're talking about this season. He makes he makes Brooklyn a competitor with Kyrie, but I don't see Brooklyn 
going to the playoff or going to the Eastern Conference Finals with just Kyrie. I do. Now, if if Kevin Durant is back on in, that's different. But I just don't see that. So, to me, this is just like who I think right off the bat are competitors. Toronto is no longer top dog competitor. They lost Kawhi. They lost Danny Green. That's a lot to lose for them. Yeah. Uh, you can't depend on Lowry to do it by himself. So, you got the Bucks. I like Indiana. You got um, Brooklyn. And you got Philly and Boston. So, you got four or five teams that you could play with. And like I said, compared to the West, I'm not saying that they're not a good conference. The I'm just saying compared right to there. the West. The Kings and the, the Heat lesser. are right there. Yeah. But they're not guaranteed. We'll see what these two teams do. They they both have a lot of young talent. The, and Miami was ever, um, able to add Jimmy Butler in the offseason. Yeah. But I just think that the West is obviously more stacked. It's more tough there. And if the Pistons want, my point was, if the Pistons want to make a move to be a top competitor in the East, they can do so now. But if they don't, they're going to exit early, just like last season. Right. So that wraps it up for us for episode three. Thank you for joining us. This is Phil the Heat. I'm your host, Day. I'm here with Webb. We appreciate it. As always... If you have any questions, make sure you hit us up at anchor.fm forward slash fill the heat forward slash message. Again, I'm your host, Day. I'm here with Webb. You just listen to fill the heat. Let us know what you think. Oh, and also don't forget, if you want to leave me a DM, tweet me, leave me a message. I also have a Twitter. It's feel the heat underscore KW on Twitter. That's feel the heat underscore KW. And I'll see you on episode four. Make sure you give us a follow And we'll see you next or we'll see you on Friday.